Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings, continuing our coverage of fantasy football pre-draft season 2021, AFC North player-by-player player profiles along with the teams and their odds. I have two big announcements coming very, very soon. Should be out within the next 10 days or so. So if you've ever thought about getting into the fantasy football industry or you're in the fantasy football industry or looking for a larger platform for yourself and maybe some money to go behind it, you're probably going to want to tune in to some of the upcoming shows. If you've missed any of the previous divisions, hit the description. They're all down there. And for this episode, smash the like button to the episode. Leave your projection. Now, you know what? Leave your ranking for Lamar Jackson amongst quarterbacks in the comment section. I'm curious to see where you guys have him ranked amongst all quarterbacks so far this year, because he's going to be a very hot topic, I think, of a lot of people throughout the course of the draft season. You can always go back and catch up on all of the shows on the podcast feed under the Pat Mayo Experience. Links are all in the description. And the other giant announcement that I have coming very soon, maybe July 10th, maybe July 7th, somewhere around there. Uh, but if you're big into the projection game or you just love tools that are customizable to mess around with, do I have something for you that you're really going to enjoy? So be on the lookout for that as well. Newsletter, uh, where you can get all this information and all of the shows that's free to join. That's in the description as well. Let's bring him in right now from ftndaily.com. He has all his contributions up there host of mean streets podcast chris meany my man what's going on what's going on yes host of fantasy hockey picks and bets presented by prize fix right here on the mayo media network yeah man it's good to catch up with you you and i were just uh shooting the shit for quite some time before we went live here so always nice to to catch up and man it's it's been a fun ride here over at ftn and looking forward to talk some football because it's almost grind season as you know it's grind season for you all the time uh but you know football is it's ramping up here yeah it's been jake and i have been pounding out these shows i had elliot chris from ftn and ftn daily on as well to break down the nfc west about two weeks ago it's just funny jumping back into everything because i have the projections run and if people want to run their own projections like i said i'll have that for you that are super customizable so if you don't think that baltimore is going to run at a 51 percent clip this year they're going to pass at a 52 percent clip you can make that very easy on yourself to see what the projections spit out with all this but i want to start with the ravens they are the favorite in this division right now 10 and a half is their win total to make the playoffs uh they're minus 305 to win the division plus 125 plus 650 to win the conference 14 to 1 to win the super bowl i'm throwing this out here right now i don't know if this is going to change meanie but cust has picked baltimore to win the super bowl oh i'm not touching it then (laughs) i won't touch the ravens uh you know they're going to be a playoff team this is a really good division to preview I think three really strong teams and the Bengals are are on the rise they still have some work to do but yeah Baltimore favored here to win the division um you know I the, the big thing that everyone has to say and me included is the question that I have is Lamar Jackson can he take that next step I mean no quarterback has ever had back-to-back 1,000 yard rushing seasons can he take that step forward he's inside an offense that likes to run the football and they play to their strengths it's a different offensive line they lost some pieces they got a couple other pieces you know via free agency and and some trades and can they push the ball down the field because it's been what three straight years Pat now they have more rushing attempts than any team in the NFL back-to-back years they have 
led the league in rushing yards. They got two solid running backs in Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins. I think Gus Edwards is, is undervalued. Your boy Mark Ingram is now off of this team. So maybe, you know, maybe they can uh, run the ball a little bit better. And also just my question, what I'm saying here is, is offensively, can they push the base? Because last year, dead last in passing attempts, passing yards, wide receivers combined, their receiving yard total dead last in the NFL. They really weren't a threat um, offensively. And it was, it's just been, you know, Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown here in spurts. Like he was just very inconsistent last year from a fantasy standpoint. So now you, you know, you drop Rashad Bateman and then you bring in Sammy Watkins some threats down the field for Lamar Jackson, but they're not my favorite team in the division. I wouldn't, I don't hate the bet by cuss, but uh, it's, they're not my pick to win the Super Bowl. Well, let's shift into Lamar and his fantasy prospects right now. Cause I'm looking at the average draft position and we kind of alluded to this when Jake and I broke down Jalen hurts. Uh, and then Elliot and I did the same thing. We talked about Kyler Murray, that when you have these dual threat quarterbacks and this is nothing new, uh, and people don't seem to realize it, but like Justin Herbert is going right around the same range as Lamar Jackson. And I just don't agree with it because when you're drafting a quarterback, I mean, I think they're all going too high in drafts right now. Looking at it, Lamar Jackson is coming as the fifth quarterback off the board. That's behind Mahomes, Allen, Kyler, and Dak with Russell Wilson and Justin Herbert all around like three picks of each other, all at pick like 44, 45, 46, 47. So at the back end of the fourth round, that still seems a bit high to me, but I think that Lamar is the class of all of those players. I know it's going to be difficult to replicate back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing seasons, and this is more of an indictment about him as a fantasy quarterback rather than a real-life quarterback. I don't care if he pushes the ball down the field. I want them to run as much as possible. That's just more Lamar Jackson points. Hell, you're going to get one point for every 10 yards rushing and only 25 for every... 25 or only one for every 25 yards passing so the rushing is just so glorious when it comes down to him that if they can be a little bit better this year and just be able to pass the ball a little bit more to make defenses honest I don't see why to have the season that he had two years ago the MVP season Mm -hmm. is probably at the very high end of his outcomes but even if he has 90 percent of that season he's back to being firmly quarterback number two overall yeah, he is. And in a bit of a down year for him, we can call him that from, you know, you mentioned the 2019 season. So a bit of a downgrade in terms of just his efficiency across the board, the passing yards, the the completion percentage, the touchdowns. And he still finishes as a top 10 quarterback, averaging 22 fantasy points per game because of what he can do on the ground. I think he probably will get a thousand yards again. I would bank on that. Like that's a bet that I would make is that this guy has another thousand yard season on the ground. We're going to get one more game. He only played 15 last season, was able to do it. So, and you're right. At the end of the day, he's got the safe rushing floor there. I agree with you. He should go over Justin Herbert. He is that, you know, everyone says there's six and then there's a drop off, right? There's the Mahomes, the Allen, the Murray, the Dak, and then I guess five with Lamar. And if you want to include Herbert in there or Russell, I'd, I wouldn't include him in that tier, but I think that's why a lot of people are willing to maybe draft a quarterback a little bit earlier this year, because there does seem to be that a bit of a drop off where these guys will run. A lot of them will run. So Lamar is just icing on the cake. If he can, if he could connect with some of these, some of these talented wideouts, I mean, I'm not, I don't even care about Sammy Watkins. I don't expect a lot from him, but I do like the Bateman pickup. I think he's a, a very talented wide receiver. I'm not going to have a ton of shares of him 
totally offensively because I still know what they want to do. It's still the same offensive coordinator. What, you know, they've been doing for years now is just running the football. That's not going to change. They have an identity. They're going to stick to it. So anything that Lamar can do, if he can throw 30 passing touchdowns this season, then that's top five because you know what he's going to give you on the ground. 36 and six is what he did in 2019. The last year, 10 fewer touchdowns, but I think 30, 30 is very possible. I don't know how many weapons I'll have from the Ravens, but Lamar is one that I'd be happy if he was on my squad. Well, when we dig into the running backs and wide receivers and even the tight ends, the big thing with this offense is that they, not only do they have a bunch of guys that are kind of interchangeable and who can actually be on the receiving end of all of these big plays or all of the touchdowns, but then you have like your, what the hell is his name? Patrick Ricard, who's going to have like five touchdowns somehow. It's like, oh, okay. So they're one of those offenses that just loves handing out touchdowns to absolutely random people. And it's not like the other playmakers are so high up anyway. Like this is really hurting their bottom lines if they can't get to these high-end numbers in terms of touchdowns. So I ran the projection on Lamar. And I felt like it's rather conservative, especially with the rushing yards, with the added game. I actually had him at 30 touchdowns on the number in 17 games. Like, that doesn't seem unreasonable. That's less than two per game. And even with the extra game, that still keeps him right around 4,000 passing yards. So I don't think that's unreasonable. That's on 542 pass attempts. 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns. I have him for 148 rushing attempts and 890 rushing yards. Now, I have him at 7.2 touchdowns because... I think that's where a lot of his value is going to be derived. And quarterback rushing touchdowns tend not to be very sticky year to year. They can really go up and really go down. That's sort of my case against Herbert when I did the Chargers. And I was talking to Feinberg about it, who you know only has great things to say with Herbert. But even he conceded, like, you're probably going to see Herbert's rushing numbers go down because he's not going to be playing the chicken with his head cut off offense anymore. Like, sometimes he was just kind of pressed into running, and he wouldn't expect that to happen as much this year with you know, a better offensive line know Anthony Lynn like maybe try to protect the guy a little bit with Lamar that's just a part of this offense so I think that's pretty conservative thinking about it so that's the medium projection and with those numbers that I just gave you it puts him 12 points behind Mahomes overall as quarterback number two and that would make him 11 points clear of Kyler Murray who I would have at number three now obviously injuries and things like that can factor into it but if we're just looking and trying to project out 17 games of the year I just feel like Lamar can beat those numbers. I don't want to say easily, but his upside is definitely much higher than that. So even if he plays to this baseline, which I think is very reasonable, he's the steal of these guys. Yeah, he is. Cause I'm looking at NFC drafts just brought it up here now since May 1st. So we're, you know, we're in June 22nd here. It's a good six week sample size of, of drafts. And he is quarterback five uh, pick 48 on average min 33 and max 71, like 71 max is, I think is an absolute seal. If you're going to do it, if you want to get a quarterback inside the top six, I think Lamar is a really good target for you because yeah, like you said, I mean, Mahomes and Allen and Kyler, these guys are going to go early. Dak has got some questions. I think he's going to be fine. He looks fine, at least on the field. And then Lamar is that guy who's going after. I, and I think those projections that you have are pretty conservative, right? You didn't even give them 900 rushing yards where this is a guy who's had a thousand and back to back. And what I mentioned about just the offense, like Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator, he's just, there's a large enough sample size with what he wants to do. I mentioned Baltimore has an identity here. They want to run the rock. They want to run the football. So Lamar is a guy that he's, it's like starting basically how many times have we said this before in DFS with Lamar and it's like starting with two free touchdowns. If this guy's going to average over 60 rushing yards per game. So yeah, I've 
no problem with Lamar. I, I get some questions about the, the receivers and how much he'll throw, but I just think what they've done here in the offseason, it's been back-to-back -back years of, tr of trying to find something, right? Like Boykin, forget Boykin. That, that guy's done. Like anyone talk about Boykin, he's nothing. Duvernay didn't do anything last year for them either. It was just their top receiver for a good chunk of the season was Willie Sneed. It was Marquise Brown was nowhere to be found, and there was random tight ends that you brought up that would catch touchdowns here and there. But to get, I think, I don't want to call him a true alpha, but Bateman is the guy that's going to help this offense. So Sammy Watkins can give them something at times when he's healthy, and you still got Marquise Brown there as well. So the identity is there. Two backs that can run the football. They want to run the rock, and they can run it really well. Let's move to them because Justice Hill is still on this team too. I don't know how much he's going to contribute, but the issue, and I kind of brought this up when we covered the bills that between Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, Josh Allen kills their value. Even if there were the other one wasn't there, Josh Allen's rushing touchdown upside just kills them uh, that they can't reach those same heights. And I, I don't necessarily feel the same way about both, um, Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins, because Lamar isn't necessarily Josh Allen when it comes to that. And the Ravens just run so much more that there's more opportunity to go around. But between Lamar, Dobbins, and Edwards, I don't have any of them for more than a 35% market share of rushes. I have Dobbins at 35%, Edwards at 30%, and Lamar at 29% with Justice Hill at 4%. I'm just kind of throwing that in there. And with the way that that kind of spells everything out, I I've given the lean towards Dobbins in terms of touchdown rate. Uh, I gave him about 60% more than I gave Edwards, but you could easily flip that. And just seeing it right now, that would make Dobbins running back 18. That would make Gus Edwards running back 35. But when we look at actual value in fantasy drafts, like I'm not super convinced on those projections. And if there's going to be that big of a gap, maybe Dobbins makes the leap and he's just the guy. But the fact they re-signed Gus Bus <laughs> leads me to believe that he's going to have a role in this offense. Oh, there's no question. He's going to have a role in this offense. He, he really will. Um, I, I like Dobbins. I think he has potential to break out, but that's the thing. It's, it's, you have Lamar taking some red zone rushing attempts away. That's just going to happen. And then you have Gus Edwards, who is going to be, he's going to be a piece of this offense. They, they locked him up for a couple years and there's no Mark Ingram here. So it's, it's really is just those two. I know Hill's still on the roster, but it is those two. And I don't see too many situations where Dobbins is a, is a running back that carries the ball 20 times a game. Like it's just not going to happen. And from a half point setting, Gus Edwards finishes a top 30 running back. I mean, he, with a guy here who didn't really catch any, any passes. It's not what he's doing. When he's in there, we, we have some stats from FTN data. If you're following some of the FTN accounts, you're, you're seeing some of the statistics that we're throwing out there and, you know, metrics love Gus Edwards and he faces a lot of eight plus in the box. And he does, he does well with some of the zone schemes that they run because what we talked about, Baltimore likes to run the football. I probably, I may have more shares of Gus Edwards than I will of JK Dobbins because he does seem like that back that I can get in the late thirties, early forties and where people are in on Dobbins to be that breakout. I don't think he has RB one upside. Like if Gus wasn't around and this was a guy who was touching the ball, just maybe on average 17 times a game. I think that's enough. He was basically he was like a mid RB two last year with hardly touching the ball. But last year towards the end of the season, I felt like after that week, seven by week, Pat, they just, they really gave him some opportunities. He averaged 73 rushing yards per game. 
and only 12 carries per game. He had double-digit carries in eight of his final nine games. He had seven TDs over that span. His snaps had never been over 43% over the first six weeks, above 43% over eight of the final nine, above 50 in the playoffs. So they were starting to give him more opportunities, but there were also a couple games where Gus Edwards would get in there and steal a couple touches inside the red zone. So it is going to be a bit of a committee. And I think we can say that about a, at least two of the four teams inside this division, that there are two running backs here that I think you can start week in and week out as Gus Edwards being in a half point setting, a decent bi-week filler or a flex guy. And I think that there's substantial upside that comes along with him should anything happen to Dobbins. He's one of those sort of – and mm-hmm. he, where he's going in drafts, you don't even need to play him as your flex at this point. He's a right. bench guy for you, and he's a perfect type of bench guy. You said you'll have shares of one, maybe not shares of another. I'm not going to have no J.K. Dobbins on my teams at all based on where he's going right now. Like He's still going ahead of Najee Harris, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, David Montgomery, yeah. Chris Carson – Mm-hmm. I may recognize that he could be a better running back than the, probably not better than Harris, but just in terms of overall talent, but just the situation alone. And then I can have Gus Edwards. So Dobbins going as running back number 15, pick number 26 overall. Gus Edwards running back 40, pick 116. Like the value on that pick is just so much greater for guys that could be around even. Now, I'm not saying they are going to be around even. Obviously, my projections do not show that whatsoever. They actually kind of align with where the ADP is. I just don't necessarily see that happening. No, I, I, I agree. <laughs> I don't either. And it's just, it's all about value. And there's a few guys in that range. It's like the sophomore range, right? Like Claude Edwards, he layers in that range. Uh, what Antonio Gibson's just a, a little bit higher than that. When it comes to JK Dobbins, like Swift is in that range. So really, I mean, say RB 13 on, you got Mixon, Gibson, Swift, CEH, Dobbins, and a guy that always gets disrespected that you mentioned is Chris Carson. Like this guy's going, he's going to go a few picks after him, ADP 41. And he's just consistent every year. You know what you're going to get with Chris Carson. And he just, he's a good running back, but yeah, Dobbins is a, he's a really good running back. This is not on him, but it's just, he's in a timeshare with a quarterback that likes to run the football and another running back that they like that had shown last year that he can run the football as well. Um, So in a half point setting, I was wrong. He was RB 35, but again, he could finish as RB 35 and that's perfectly fine. Look, there's some games down the stretch here, hundred yards, 50, 85, 60. And he's actually caught five balls in the last three games of the season. So it's not like he can't, if he can give you one catch a game or something like that. Yeah. I, I end of the day here with the Ravens backfield, as much as I love Dobbins and I see the upside, the fact that Edwards is hanging around, better value there for you. Yeah, and just the guys that we mentioned that are going around Dobbins, not necessarily like I'm huge on the other guys, but I can see their path to being a top five running back easier than I can see Dobbins. A lot I feel like would have to happen where Edwards goes down, they don't continue to run a split backfield, Lamar runs less, the passing game gets better, and then he's the focal point of the offense. I just feel like that's a really big ask versus some of the guys that we mentioned. The guys going around Gus Edwards, Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, I'd rather have Gus Edwards than both those guys. A.J. Dillon. Damian Harris, Latavius Murray, Tony Pollard. Like some of these guys are like legit backups who you can't play unless the starter goes down. At least you mentioned with Edwards, like he can give you something on a week to week basis if you're in a pinch. And if anything happened to Dobbins, all of a sudden now you're looking really good. Yeah, you are. I mean, again, this is a guy 5.2 yards per carry for his career. 5.2 is a rook, 5.3 sophomore last year, five. 
and at least 133 attempts in each of those seasons. Not not a big player in the passing game, but has seen volume. And with Mark Ingram not around there, maybe there's a couple more catches in his future. I, I will say that about Dobbins as well. I do feel like if you look at the game log and you see just not a lot of catches, 11 catches over his first six games, just seven over his final nine. But in the two playoff games, he was involved through the air. 191 routes ran for him and just 78 for Gus Edwards. But it doesn't mean that Edwards can't catch a few balls. But out of all those running backs that you just mentioned, I mean, ugly timeshares, gross timeshares, you're just kind of banking on breakout performances from some of them like yeah, i think you mentioned harris like i don't want harris i don't want a piece of that's a that's a very crowded backfield at least this oh, one we know I, that I, there's you know two. what I, I don't know if that is going to be a crowded backfield i don't think what you in could... new england oh damian harris Sorry, i thought you were talking about damian Na- i thought you meant damian i thought no, you meant Najee harris his. i was like yeah that's, no, that's, Najee, his that's his but <laughs> that's his backfield yeah we'll get to him I, we can gush over him uh, but yeah damian harris you mentioned zach moss uh aj Dillon, like the I, I agree. I would much rather have Gus Edwards. And the fact is he's going after those guys. Yeah. I, the fact that he and Latavius Murray are going back to back, I see them in just very similar situations. And those are two, yeah. two guys that I like to target in drafts because they don't cost anything. Exactly. Wide receivers on this team. You kind of ran them down a little bit. Uh, Rashad Bateman, the rookie coming in, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, Sammy Watkins, Duvalnay, Miles Boykin. Can you envision yourself drafting any of these guys? <laughs> Bateman probably that's it uh and it's and it's not that he's a he's in a target for me he's not that he's an extreme target but I like I said before I like the skill set I like um I like the upside wide receiver 59 right now I think you know when we start there's always one player in camp that makes a couple highlight highlight reel plays and and experts quote-unquote experts talk them up and hype them up a little bit. This is one guy that I feel like will be that guy in, you know, August when people are hyping him up and he maybe goes inside the top 55 and I'm not, you know, I'm not drafting him then. Like if he's a wide receiver 48, 49, then I may have to pass, but right now where he's going, wide receiver 59, ADP 159 and around the range, I see like Russell Gage, Gabriel Davis, Henry Ruggs, Nelson Aguilar. I think that's fine for me to maybe take a shot on him, but everything that we've already said about the Ravens, we know what they want to do. They want to run the football. There's going to be inconsistencies in his game and everybody else's game. Even Mark Andrews is going to take a bit of a hit this year, I believe in terms of his target share. So to answer your question, probably not a lot of shares, any of these wide receivers. Bateman's probably the one, but it may just be one or two here and there. Bateman, I would agree for the price tag at wide receiver 59 is the way to go. Hollywood Brown's going as wide receiver number 35, which just seems no ludicrous. Chance. He's going ahead of Brandon Cooks. Now, I realize that Houston may or may not have a quarterback, but they also have no other wide receivers. So that's where the ball is going to go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's a thousand yard guy. Marquise Brown is, is not a thousand yard guy. There's a lot of just, I mean, he improved from year one to year two. Everything basically improved from him yards per reception, 12.7 to 13.3. He had more touchdowns. He had hundred targets to 71. Now he did play 16 games as opposed to 14 more yards. He did improve, but there are a lot of inconsistencies and times where I didn't even know if I wanted this guy in my roster. Like, look at some of these games, two catches for, for 13 yards, one catch for three, three three catches for 38, two catches for 14, zero catches on three targets for zero yards. He really saved his season in the final few weeks of the year where he had three, four, five, six touchdowns over his final six games. And he averaged just over 50 yards and he was getting, you know, at least seven to eight targets, but it took a little bit. I know that there was some COVID and some injuries. There was a lot going on in Baltimore midway through the year where it didn't even look like they would be a playoff team. 
and they've ramped it up a little bit towards the end, but the same inconsistencies I think are going to be in his game. He's, he's a great best ball guy. You can make a case for anybody for being a best ball guy, but he's a great best ball guy. He's a great GPP play. He's a great tournament guy. He's a big threat baller. Uh, but now I think that they got a guy in Bateman. I think he's going to be the number one for Lamar. I think he's just going to be the first read. Like like you mentioned, Hollywood's going to have his huge games, and but you're just going to be ultimately frustrated. And it's really the, the cost right now. Wide receiver mm-hmm. number 35, just rather have the other guys around him. If he was going... 12 to 15 wide receivers later then yeah i think he's a good gamble because he could be the number one and maybe he was just injured all last year the foot was bothering him maybe that's all in the past with him now and he's really truly ready to break out and really elevate lamar along with him but i i just don't enjoy the cost that is associated with him at the moment so mark andrews do you think he has a better year than george kittle because i do not no, no, no. Do people think that? Yeah, I, I think that he's around that tier. I think the way that people are looking at it is Kelsey, then you have Kittle, Waller, Andrews, maybe Pitts, depending on how big you're feeling him this year. That's kind of the range at tight end. And I think for me, it's Kelsey and Waller, then Kittle and Andrews. Like, I think those guys are paired together this time around with just the way that San Francisco has improved its receiving depth, that it's less of a focal point for George Kittle. I mean, he's, I have him at wide receiver number three. I think he's going to be fine. But I just think that Waller is just more leaned on on a consistency basis, and obviously Kelsey's Kelsey. And you kind of hit on it with Andrews. Now, if he just catches half of the balls he dropped in the end zone last year, it's a much different <laughs> season. Yeah, it is. <laughs> there was a point where he wasn't he wasn't catching any touchdown passes, which is weird for him. He still had seven, but he could have easily led all tight ends in, in touchdowns. I know Kelsey led the way with 11. Yeah, from a fantasy point per game standpoint, he was tight end four, 10.1 fantasy points per game overall, and he only played 14, and he struggled. I do think he comes down slightly a little bit in just terms of, you know, across the board, maybe fewer targets. You know, ends up with 88 and 14. He had 98 in 15 games in 2019. Maybe he just gets 80. But he's still going to be a red zone threat. We know about this tight end position. We know that if you can get seven touchdowns in a season, you're definitely going to be a top 10 tight end. He still has upside to be a top five, but I would rank him Kelsey Waller Kittle. And I think I like TJ Hawkinson at four. And I would probably lean Andrews over Pitts. And I think if you have to make that decision, you may not even be left to make that decision because Pitts is just skyrocketing up. He's, he's being drafted as you know, a top four tight end ADP right now over the last six weeks, 58 and Andrews 65 min pick for Pitts in NFFC drafts pick 17. That's crazy to me. Uh, I will not do that, but Andrews is that cut off. I think from, I think he belongs in tier two. I would go Kelsey Waller Kittle in that tier. And then you can put him in with Hawkinson, Andrews and Pitts, but I think he comes down a little bit in terms of targets, but touchdowns will be there, Pat. Yeah, I I don't know if he's a good value or a bad value relative, because Kelsey's going at 7 overall, Kittle and Waller 20 and 19, then it's a drop to Andrews at 52, then you have Hawkinson at 66, Pitts, like you mentioned, is just all over the board. He's going to be ahead of Andrews by the time it comes along. So you can have, let's say, Pitts at 50, Andrews at 52, or Hawkinson at 66, Maybe just roll the dice on Hawkinson, or maybe that's just a level that you just don't go after and say, screw it. If I don't get one of the top, for me, it's the top two guys. If I don't get Kelsey and I don't get Waller, I'm just going to draft Goddard in the last round or something. That's, that's kind of how I'm feeling too. If I don't get my hands on Kelsey or Waller, I'll probably wait it out. Like if Andrews were to fall and Hawkinson and Pitts go ahead of him and he falls 
then I could see myself maybe getting him if it was around six, between round six and seven, if that, if that was possible. But after that, there's some guys here. I mean, Goddard, Logan Thomas was really strong last year. I still think he could be okay um, in that offense with Fitzpatrick. I think, I think you know, H- Robert Higby with Stafford and Everett gone. Higby, no question. Higby. Um, Irv Smith is like that breakout potential. No fan Irv Smith. I'd rather maybe take a shot on Irv Smith. I actually think Johnu Smith could be productive in new England's offense. I don't think Hunter Henry is going to be a, a huge part of that offense. I think they brought him in for a reason, run a lot of play action, whether it's cam or Mac Jones. I actually think that Johnu could be decent and people are sour on him. They don't, they don't want a piece of him because they brought in Hunter Henry and they got a couple other weapons and they run the ball and it's cam. And I don't think it'll be cam for too long. Heck it could be Mac Jones week one. It's, it's going to be Mac Jones at one point in the season. And, you know, Johnu is a guy that's going around tight end 16, 17, 18, right? So he's a guy that you could get towards the end, last pick, second last pick. And I think he could be fine. But uh, I really do like Hawkinson. I will say that. Like Hawkinson, for me, if you're choosing between him and Mark Andrews, I just think there's a clearer path for targets here with Hawkinson. And Jared Goff, I mean, we've taken shots on him for years that he can't make these throws deep down the field. He's... He's been, he made Higby and at times ever both productive with having weapons in Cooper and Woods on that offense and wanting and wanting to run the football. Detroit's going to be an awful team, a brutal team offensively. I don't know how long their weapons can last. Uh, Like Perriman, I don't know if he can have a full 16 game season. I think Hawkinson's on his way to like a a huge season in terms of targets, like 120 plus is huge for a tight end. Yeah, I, I, the uh, what you have to weigh between Hawkinson and Andrews is do we see a big spike back up in Andrews in terms of touchdowns? Because if he can get back up to like 12, 13, 14, which isn't unreasonable for him, then he's going to be awesome. He's going to be a great fantasy play and he's going to be consistent. With Hawkinson, just the overall targets could challenge like Waller for that sort of consistency week in and week out. So I guess maybe it depends on what you want. If you're playing in something like the NFCC and you need to have the best team of 170 teams or 3,000 teams, maybe the upside of Mark Andrews is what you're going to shoot for in this regard. But if you're just playing week-to-week fantasy football, which is what we're talking about, Hawkinson is going to be the guy that gets you your 8 to 15 points every single week at a position where there's like five guys that can provide that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, 101 targets he had last year. Kelsey and Waller each had 145, and then it's Logan Thomas 110, Ingram 19, and Hawkinson 101. I mean, there's a spike here coming for Hawkinson. There's no Galladay there. There's no Marvin Jones. Like, there's there's two of the number one weapons inside, number one, number two weapons inside that offense are no longer a part of that team anymore. So, I think Hawkinson is a is a safe bet. You know, it's going to be Hawkinson or it's going to be Cephas. Or Perriman. I guess we'll break that down. I'm breaking that down with yeah. Leone in the NFC North on tomorrow's show. So tune into that. Nice. It's time once again for me to tell you all about Magic Spoon. I've been drinking protein shakes, powder for years, but I finally found a delicious way to get my protein before and after workouts. Zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. Only 140 calories per serving. Magic Spoon is keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. Magic Spoon rules, and you can build your own box right now. Available flavors to build your very own custom bundle are coca, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry, and cinnamon. It's like I've been telling people for the past four months... 
just get the fruity Magic Spoon flavor. It is so good that you're really gonna want it. And plus, like, it's good for you. It helps me, like I said, the refueling before and after the gym, now that gyms are back open where I'm at, makes it top notch. So what you do is go to magicspoon.com slash mayo to grab a custom bundle of cereal and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code mayo, that's M-A-Y-O for you morons who can't spell, at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product that it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash mayo, then use code mayo to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Let's be honest, you're not getting as good a sleep as you need to be, whether your problem is falling asleep, staying asleep, or just not feeling rested once you wake up. That would be the Pat Mayo category. You're not alone. More than half of Americans report having trouble with getting enough sleep. At Brickhouse Nutrition, our team of on-staff physicians is on a mission to get heads on pillows and would like to introduce Dreams Sleep Aid. By taking science-backed ingredients like melatonin and combining them with natural ingredients from the earth like valerian root and jujube fruit, Dreams is the perfect blend for the perfect sleep. So... Go to BrickHouseSleep.com and get 15% off your first order at checkout with promo code MAYO. Again, promo code MAYO. It's time to sleep like a brick. BrickHouseSleep.com, promo code MAYO. Cleveland Browns, same win total as the Baltimore Ravens, 10 and a half, minus 225 to make the playoffs, plus 145 to win this division. Seven and a half to one to win the conference, 16 to one to win the Super Bowl. Feels like everyone's on the Browns. It feels a lot like two years ago because everyone kind of took a step back last year. They didn't want to get burned by the Browns again. The Browns are pretty good. I don't know what to make of them, to be perfectly honest with you. You look at them on paper, and the one thing that I can really say that should lead to a lot of success is they might have the best offensive line in football. And that's just being so good in the trenches on both sides of the ball – is such a goes such a long way to stabilizing your team. Even if guys are underperforming, just give them another second of time, another second and a half of time, whether it's the running backs, whether it's Baker, it's just going to make your offense be a lot more productive. And with Stefanski coming in, like he really turned this around and made it a competent offense versus Hugh Jackson and Freddie Kitchens. So I look at Baker, he's going, uh, I mean, I haven't projected his quarterback number 21, but he's just not a quarterback, even in a two-quarterback league or a super flex league. Like He's just not a target of mine based on the profile of this offense. And with Beckham coming back, maybe he has better numbers. But just looking at it over and just seeing where I have him at, like I said, quarterback number 21, it's the rushing yards. I have him at less than... 200 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns. Like, that's just not going to... I'd rather roll the dice on guys going after him who actually run, whether it be Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or, I mean, Deshaun Watson is going down. I don't know where he's going to end up going, but um, I'd rather take... Even if he never plays a game, I'd rather take him down in that range than take someone like Baker, who's fine, but not great at the same time fantasy-wise. He's, he's, it's weird that he's a better real-life quarterback than he is a fantasy quarterback. Yeah, it, it, you're not wrong. Uh, absolutely not wrong at all. And it's it's kind of surprising when I look at the year-end stats and just to see where, where Baker finished. And he was quarterback 17. And it's like, I just don't have any confidence that he could finish that way again. It was a bit of a strong, strong finish for him. But 
you definitely, what I will say about Baker, that certainly better real life quarterback than, than a fantasy quarterback. And you could see the growth from kitchens to Stefanski just between the years, like 59 completion percentage, 22 touchdowns, 21 picks. Wondered if this was just another Cleveland Browns quarterback that they drafted highly that would work out. Really, there was a lot of questions. I had them too. A lot of people were really hard on Baker Mayfield in this offense, but it turns out when you have a, a capable offensive coordinator to run an offense and have some pieces around Baker Mayfield that he can be productive. Now, he 26 touchdowns and just eight interceptions last year and bumped his completion percentage up to 63. Not a big runner, 165 yards. That's probably what he's, what he's going to max out at. You know, definitely not... 200. I think you're right to have him under 200. I picked him, you know, as a long shot MVP 50 to one only because I respect this Browns roster so much that they have so many pieces and I am in on them. And I'll say, I'll admit that I was in on them a year too early, a couple years ago. And last year I saw the growth. I saw the defense, you know, this division is always going to have games where we get towards the later parts of the season inside the division tough weather scenarios in Cleveland, tough games. I've been to Cleveland a couple of times, watch games. It's, it's, it's fun, but it's freaking cold, man. Like there's a lot of wind. There were a lot of games last year at home where Baker didn't even want to, they didn't throw the football. And why would you throw the football? You mentioned one of the best offensive lines in football. I think they do have the best offensive line in football. They have two top, they have the best one, two punch. I think in the NFL and Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, so they can run the rock. They don't need to pass the ball that much. I don't want any of Baker's weapons. I don't want Baker. I'm fine with Chubb or Hunt. I just think that this is a real solid team that if they do finish with 12 wins and they win the division, it's like, okay, you got Garrett who could be an MVP. He could potentially be in the conversation. You could have Beckham who has a strong season. You could have both running backs who have really good uh, seasons as well. And the defense is playing fine. So it's like, where do you pick? Maybe Baker is just efficient again. Maybe he takes another step forward and he has 30 touchdowns and fewer than 10 picks and finishes with 4,000 yards. If he did that, he would be a top 15 quarterback. But I just think that this team is... Well, it's complete, man. It let, really is. Let, let me throw this out here for you because it's interesting you say 30 touchdowns. I have him projected for 30 touchdowns and 4,200 yards. That still leaves him at quarterback number 21. Wow. Yeah, because of the rushing, right? Because there's no and, rushing to speak of. Like, it's just in the average draft position mm-hmm. right now, he is going as quarterback number 18. Guys that are, I mean, Carson Wentz is going ahead of him, which I found kind of strange. But guys mm-hmm. that are going behind him, like, Fields, Tua, Daniel Jones, Deshaun Watson, like I mentioned, we don't know what's going on there as of this recording. Trey Lance is going after them. Even Zach Wilson to an extent. Like, mm-hmm. I, I do, in terms of raw fantasy numbers, like, Darnold is going 27. It's funny to bring it full back and how much I hate Sam Darnold. But I think that he is I in a understand. better position for a good fantasy season than Baker is. Because, like, even a Baker MVP bet, so many of the touchdowns that the running back score would have to go to him instead. And I just don't see that happening. Like, even if he puts up, like, let's say I'm off on the projection. So the projection of, where is 21? of 4,200 yards and 30 touchdowns. Let's say that's 4,700 yards and 35 touchdowns. Okay, well, now you're in the realm of, like, where I have Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson kind of thing, but there's no rushing that goes along with it. Along with Aaron Rodgers, I don't have much rushing factored in with him. But that's a big ask, considering that you have a running back a running back duo that should score 20-ish touchdowns between them. Yeah, I have him at QB 23. I have a lot of the guys that you mentioned ahead of him. I have Jones ahead of him because of what he can do on the ground. And they're going to be passing a little bit more. Even with Saquon there, he's still going to be passing the football. 
I, I don't have Sam Darnold ahead of him, but if I'm choosing between the two, I just know that I'll probably be able to get Sam Darnold a couple, couple rounds even after that, or a few picks after. So you, you can get him 45 picks later. In an, in an off, I know we're not talking Carolina here and I, I think Sam Donald is in for a decent season and it doesn't have to be that great of a year for him to have a breakout. I mean, he's got two talented coaches. He gets away from Adam Gase. He's got a ton of weapons. He's got Christian McCaffrey to the backfield. He's just got a ton of guys who can catch the ball in space and make things happen for Sam Donald, right? I mean, DJ Moore is so explosive after the catch. He's very familiar with Robbie Anderson and CMC is, is amazing. And they drafted uh, Terrace Marshall. So, I mean, that offense is going to, I think it's going to be pretty decent. Uh, I think Carolina may be a little s- sneaky team this year just in terms of taking them on spreads and money line. Cause they, they won't get the respect, but yeah, Daniel Jones, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I have Trey Lance ranked ahead of him. I think he's going to be the guy in San Fran. He's got a lot of rushing floor. He's got a ton of offensive weapons and a great offensive coach there to, to help him out. So yeah, that's why I bet on Baker is just because I think the, the offense will be spread around a little bit, running the ball, maybe some passes here with all the tight ends that they use and, and with, and he still has two solid wide receivers and Landry did take a bit of a step back last year across the board in terms of targets and touchdowns. And that was with Baker, not there. Uh, so that is a bit concerning. I don't think I'll have any pieces in their offense or with Baker, but what I was saying is that this team is complete, man. It really is what they did at the draft. I thought was phenomenal. You know, Greg Newsom, a, a nice cornerback and J O K. Uh, I'll try to pronounce it, but Jeremiah Awusu Koromora. I think that guy is a, a solid defender. And then they, you know, through free agency, they drafted or they got, Troy Hill and then John Johnson. So, and then Jadavian Clowney, I mean, say what you want with him from him. He's a head case, but he can be productive. Uh, just another piece to put on the defense there to get after the quarterback. So I am drinking the Browns Kool-Aid. I like this squad. I think they win the division. Got to remember, man, they spanked Pittsburgh last year in the playoffs and they really gave KC a good run. I think this team is, I think they're on their way. Running backs, Chubb is going inside the top 10 of running backs. In fact, he is number 10 right now in high stakes leagues in just your run of the mill average fantasy league. If I mean, if it's drafting this early, uh, that's one thing he's going is running back number seven, pick number eight overall. I don't think that he's substantially better than some of these other guys in this range. Like he's going ahead of Zeke. I'd rather have Zeke. He's going ahead of Eckler. I'd rather have Eckler. He's going ahead of Cam Akers. I'd rather have Cam Akers. It's nothing against Nick Chubb, but I'd rather have guys who... At least Eckler in what could be a split situation, at least he's going to be a factor in the passing game. And unless we can see a bump up from Nick Chubb in that regard, he's just going to kind of, his upside, unless he has an Adrian Peterson record-breaking type season, is going to be like running back 10. And that means he would have to score. Hell, I haven't projected his running back 10 right now, and that is with a stat line of 13 touchdowns, 1400 yards rushing which is a great season but it's just not great season it's not cutting it when you catch 21 passes <laughs> yeah he only had 16 grabs last year and it's not to say that he can't because a couple times when hunt wasn't around i think was it before they got hunt towards the end of his rookie season yes he had a bunch of games where he was like catching three or four passes it's like oh my goodness this guy could be a true bell cow because i think he is the purest running back in the NFL. I really do. I think he is the best running back. I love the way that he runs the rock. I think he's very explosive, but Kareem Hunt is never going to go away. And Kareem Hunt is always going to be that pass catcher out of the backfield. So yeah, under 20 catches for Chubb. I have him ranked at 10 too. I have Eckler ahead of him. No question. I have Zeke. I have Zeke at three. Maybe I'm a little too high on Zeke, but I am, I just, what he did with Dak over the first few games is just what I expect 
uh, from Zeke over the full course of the season. I'm not worried about Pollard. I'm not worried about the drops. I think Zeke is is a great value uh, if you're going to be able to get him at pick eight or nine, if that's the case. Uh, but yeah, Chubb, he's a great running back. He's solid. I don't know really what there is to say about him. I think I'd rather, like, if I'm comparing the two, obviously I think he's better than Kareem Hunt slightly, but Kareem Hunt is an amazing back in himself. And what he's going to do out of the backfield and the balls that he's going to be able to catch where he's going around RB22, RB23, I think I, it's a fine low-end RB2. No, no, you see, I think that's too high for him. I actually think okay. that, that Chubb is the better value, even though he's going in the first round. Like, you're just dealing with such inconsistency. And I kind of throw Hunt, obviously, like, he's in that Dobbins range. I'd much rather, like, Dobbins is one of the guys that I would rather have. Like, if you put Chris Carson and David Montgomery up against Kareem Hunt, those are guys that are all going in very similar areas in fantasy drafts right now. Not that I love Carson and love Montgomery, but we talk about this every single year. They're just guys that touch the ball all the time. And eventually that's going to lead to fantasy points, just that having that many opportunities. Like, even when Chubb like would go down and it's just Kareem Hunt, it's not like you see a significant spike in his production. He's just, it's almost like the old Lamar Miller where no matter if he has eight touches or 18 touches, he's just kind of doing the same thing every week. Yeah, I was looking here and I was surprised to see like Chubb RB9 and Hunt RB10 last year, but there were a lot of injuries. Of course, CMC and Saquon didn't play, so you got to keep that in mind. Plus, there's Harris. There's other running backs and, here and, that and, you know, and, stop and, could take the step. And there was no Beckham either. And there was no Beckham, so he's catching more balls. Yeah, good point. 38 grabs on 51 targets. Yeah, I noticed that too. When when Chubb wasn't around and never, we were all ranking Hunt as a RB5 for the week, he was just like, wow, he's, he's not as productive. Touching the ball 20 times is what he would be touching it, maybe six carries and, and six targets out of the backfield. I, I Again, I think he's – I would rather have Dobbins, but I think he's fine for, for where he's going. He's probably not someone I'm going to have a ton of shares of. I typically like to try to get my RBs taken care of before that hunt range, but every draft, you know, shapes out differently where if he's your RB2 – heck, I wouldn't want him to be my RB1 – but if he's your RB2, I think it's I think it's okay. I think he could do worse. After him, I think it starts to get a little ugly at the running it, back it, position. It does. So Kareem Hunt, pick number 23. Miles Gaskin, pick number 24 at running back. And then you have Javante Williams at number 25. I'd probably take Williams amongst those three. And I'd just shoot for the upside. Yeah, I think that's fair, right? Melvin Gordon's on his way out. Last year contract. Williams is a stud. Yeah. So wide receivers. Beckham is back. And Beckham is, let me check the, the most recent ADP on where he's going, because I think that he is going to be a hinge player in fantasy. He's be all over the board, Pat. All yeah. over the oh, board. absolutely. People will talk them into the, talk themselves into him, and then people will be like, not never again am I doing Odell Beckham. <laughs> but right now he is going at wide receiver number 30 off draft boards. He's going in the seventh round. He's going behind Juju Smith-Schuster. Like, I'd rather have Beckham. I would rather have Beckham than Juju. Yeah, I would and, rather have we, Beckham than we Juju. We just talked about Hollywood Brown, who's going like eight picks after Beckham. I'd rather have Beckham. And I don't even know if he's going to be good or not, but at least I know he is good, or at least he has been good in the past, <laughs> that um, I feel like he has an FU season in him somewhere, and maybe he just gets hurt week one. He's an absolute disaster. But at least this time, it doesn't really cost you what it's been costing you the past three years and maybe i'm just deluded and i'm an idiot and keep going back to this stupid well but i am i'll look up the projection i have on him right now odell beckham jr where are you at odell why can't i find you i mean i have him at wide receiver number 26 
So it's not a huge savings per the projections based on where he's going. But I, it's a belief in, do you believe in his talent that he can get it together? If you do, then he's severely undervalued. If not, he's probably severely overvalued. That he's going to be one of these guys, like you said, that's going to go all over the map. That if he does become a good value and he drops to the seventh round, eighth round kind of thing, I'm taking him. I'm not reaching for him, put it that way. Yeah, I'm not reaching either, but I think it's fair where he's going in that range. Like you mentioned Juju, I'd rather have him than Juju. I'd rather have him than Robbie Anderson. Uh, I probably, I definitely would rather him than Tyler Boyd. Like it's kind of in that range. T Higgins, I think I'd, I th- I'd rather I think have I'd ra- him. I'd rather have T Higgins, my guy. I, th- I think too, like, yeah, because you know, when we're comparing these two offenses and we'll get to Cincy, like Joe Burrow is on, on pace to lead the league in passing attempts. I don't think anything really changes there. Even with Chase, I think he could do enough to all three of those wide receivers could eat and T Higgins. There's definitely a connection there, but you know, even Kenny Galladay, I'm not totally in on in this new offense. I just, with Jones, you know, just waiting a couple more picks later, like that's a, a span of 10 or 13 picks later, a few wide receivers jump off the board. You can get Odell. I don't know how many shares I'll have. I have a ton of them in dynasty leagues. It's a, it's a headache on itself, but if he does fall when people, there are, there are going to be people in your leagues that don't like him, but the ceiling is, is still going to be high. It's through the roof. I mean, look at the game logs that he had in two fantasy points, 14, five, 33, one game, and then he gets hurt. So it's still a team that doesn't want to throw the football all that often, but when they're pressed, I think, you know, he's going to be the number one for Baker. We haven't really seen them get on the same page yet. It's just been a handful of games, but year two in the Stefanski offense, you know, you mentioned that Baker's or that Odell is going to want to bring it. He is, he's just that type of guy. He's going to want to prove everybody wrong. Is this his last year in Cleveland? Is he going to sign a big contract after this? Like, is he going to get traded, move on from them? He is still a very talented wide receiver. There's no question about it. Uh, he can push the down the field and be that guy for for Baker Mayfield I, I think where he's going is fine I think where you have him ranked wide receiver 25 is fine I got him at 27 no that wasn't I, the, that wasn't the ranking that was just where I have I oh I, I'm trying to that was what just, you haven't projected for that's what I haven't projected for because I have Landry projected as wide receiver number 34 and he's going 25 picks later maybe he's the play but maybe it's just a part of this offense that you just don't want to invest in this offense because it could be too spread out that's what it is. That's exactly what it is, right? I mean, we're talking about Baltimore's. It's kind of the same deal. This is another team that wants to run the football with a great offensive line and two running backs. And not as not the same with a quarterback who can run like Lamar, but I don't think they're going to throw all that much. This is why we don't like Bakers, right? We're, you project them for 30 touchdowns. Where are these touchdowns going to come from? You know, Hooper's going to get some. Bryant's going to get some. Landry, a lot of the running backs. Maybe Hunt catches a few out of the backfield. So, I don't know. It's... I, I see him right beside NFC FC. I'm looking right now right beside DJ Chark. I'll probably just take DJ Chark. Yeah, I think I'm probably on the same page with you on that. So it just feels like a good value seeing him. Like both the Steelers receivers, Juju and Claypool, are both ranked ahead of him. And so is Deontay Johnson. Like we'll talk about Pittsburgh next, but yeah. I mean, Deontay Johnson, yes. I think I'd rather have Beckham over the other two. Yes, definitely over Juju, right? Um, there's just way more upside. I think if you're in a full point PPR league, maybe you could make a case for Juju, but it's just short intermediate throws with Odell. There's this more upside, more of a ceiling, but to your point, like to, to wrap up the whole OBJ thing is we're used to drafting this guy as a top 10 guy, because we know his upside is top 10. It's still top 10, right? Even in an offense that doesn't chuck a ton, it's still at least borderline wide receiver one low end, at least wide receiver two upside, but it's not a price you're paying. 
The other guys here, like Anthony Schwartz, Richard Higgins, Kaderil Hodge, it's Donovan Peoples-Jones that would be the one that has mm. any sort of intrigue for me. Like, maybe he could be the wide receiver three, but it feels like if Beckham is out, he is the one who's going to fill in. Like, just what we saw from him in such a limited basis last year, like his upside seems so big. Like he's so fast. And maybe it's just a product of him being you know, the lesser known guy on this team. That defense is just, hey, we need to stack the box to stop the run. We got to stop Landry. We got to stop Hooper. You know, Donovan Peoples-Jones, you're free to do whatever you want. But if he can work his way into this offense, I don't have him projected high at all. But I have Schwartz at a 7% target share, Higgins at a 7% target share, Jones at 1%. If I just switch that around and put Donovan Peoples-Jones at like 7%, 8%, all of a sudden he's like a viable last-round pick. Or at least the guy, you know how you always like, maybe he's not worth a last round pick, but there's certain guys that you put on like your star list, your watch list for the waiver wire for the first few weeks. He would be a guy that I'd be paying attention to, to see what his snap rate is going to be. Yeah. He's a guy that you're going to want to monitor, take a shot on in deeper leagues, maybe, um, you know, 14, 16 team leagues. I think he's a guy that should be drafted. And he showed last year to your point that, you know, he's got some wheels and he's got some hands and he could maybe be productive in this offense. You know, Schwartz is, is maybe that guy. If it may take some time for him, but he's, he's a burner. He could be that downfield guy for Cleveland inside this offense. But um, you know, I think a 7% target share is, is, pretty fair and it, it, it may take it may take a lot of time for him I, you know i was looking up some numbers and part of this is jeff ratcliffe and some of the tools and some of the statistics that he had um but you know in college just yards after the catch uh, he was 24th um and a guy that really just didn't see a ton of targets um so that may be the case here in cleveland as well uh but he does seem like he could be the potential burner for this offense Tight end, Hooper's fine. I don't think that he's draftable. He'll have two or three good games, but no. you have Njoku around. You still have Harrison Bryant around. Maybe Njoku doesn't end up making the team, but I don't really think that changes anything. I Just where he's going, which is not at all, you can find other crappy tight ends who at least have a path to being better than him, I think. Yeah, exactly. In a, in a more high-powered, maybe not high-powered is the right word, but an offense is going to throw the football a little bit more. You don't even know if he's going to be the guy inside the red zone. I mean, they lose, they use Bryant quite a bit, actually. They did towards the end of last season in a lot of red zone packages. He seemed to be uh, the guy there. Landry's the one that I'm a little uneasy about. I'm unsure. Like, I made a case for him when Odell went down. It took some time. He ended up having, you know, a decent season from a fantasy points per game standpoint. He was wide receiver 39 and a half point setting and Beckham was 34. But I just, you know, across the board, I just felt like he should have, I felt like he should have topped last year with no Odell there for, for but, a, a but, while. But maybe it's one of those things where he's just better when maybe Odell's there. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's just not he's a one. Me. He's a two. Or he's a 1A yeah. or a 1B, sorry. He's like peerless price when he played with Eric Moles. <laughs> and then he goes to Atlanta and he's terrible. <laughs> Yeah, he's not going to face top car corners when Odell's on the on the field. That's true. Uh, let's move to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's win total is eight and a half for the year. They're plus one seventy to make the playoffs, four to one to win the division, eighteen to one to win the conference, forty to one to win the Super Bowl. And you always have to think that Pittsburgh odds are inflated because they are such a public team. They have such a big fan base and gambling legalized in Pennsylvania that people are going to be coming in with a lot of money on the old Steelers, and they're still keeping a lot of these numbers down. The books do not believe in them whatsoever. When I look at my projections, they don't believe so much in Ben Roethlisberger at this point either. The offensive line has been getting progressively worse. A lot has been made about that. Uh, no James Conner, Najee Harris coming in. I don't know what to make of them. I liked them last year, and I was looking good until it really wasn't anymore. 
But <laughs> if we talk about Ben, like draftable, sure, and a super flex, but even those guys that we talked about that we don't know if they're starting the season, like a Trey Lance or a Justin Fields, those are better fantasy picks than Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, yeah. And it's, what, back-to-back seasons now where the elbow has kind of cut him short. I know he played through that last season, but he didn't play good. <laughs> he was pathetic against the Browns in that playoff game. I mean, he was – it's just – I think this is kind of it for Pittsburgh. I, I like the value. Would you say 4-1 to one to win the division? Like, that's decent value for a team that is still going to be really good defensively. Like, they still have some players – that are great defensively and they have three solid wide receivers. It really is all about Ben. And I don't know if I'll have a lot of shares of him, but he probably still will finish, you know, top five, top six in passing attempts. So it is appealing that maybe he can be a guy that chucks the ball. You know, you're banking on 40 plus passing attempts a game with those three weapons that, you know, he has those upside games where he finishes with over 300 yards and three or four touchdowns. Like he can win you weeks alone, but there's a lot of games too, like against Cleveland, I'm looking at the game log, you know, 14 for 22, one touchdown, Um, you know, another game, 182 against Baltimore, like inside the division, not great. Another game against Baltimore, one touchdown, one pick sub 300 yards. You know, Buffalo Cincy towards the end of the season, he didn't even reach 200 yards passing. So he really struggled towards the end. I just don't know how much he has to offer and he offers nothing on the ground. So there are those games where it's kind of like Brady and Stafford. Like I'm always hesitant to draft Brady and Stafford. I know they have more upside and the ceiling is higher with those guys at this point of their careers. But it's like there's guys around them that just run and will give me a safe floor. Like there's so many games where Ben could just give me single digit fantasy points because he just shits the bed and he's not good enough. So I think the Steelers will hang around. They, they haven't had a losing season, Pat, in like 20 years. Right? They, they, they're so competitive. They've had three coaches in like 60 years. Tomlin's back. Harris is going to be great for this offense. The offensive line, I don't think it's as bad as what people think, but uh, it is going to be an issue for them. Well, it's one of those things where, I mean, it was really bad last year. So it should be, so just through natural osmosis, it should get a little bit better this time around. But it went from being so good for so long to so bad so quickly that people just weren't prepared for it. So the difference between how good it was versus how bad it got makes it seem like it's just an absolute travesty. And it wasn't good, but it should return to slightly below average let's say with some right coaching and maybe it just stays as one of the shittiest who knows but here's what i want to do with Najee harris so if you look at like standard season-long drafts he's going around pick 34 that's running back 18 you look at high stakes drafts he's going at pick number 11 at running back that's number pick 12 on average overall So the higher stakes players have already bought into him. You've seen this with Cam Akers. You've seen it with Austin Eckler. You've seen it with Zeke, where the higher stakes players are in on these guys versus Dobbins and Mixon and Aaron Jones and Nick Chubb, even to an extent. Like, he's basically going the same as Nick Chubb in these higher stakes events, at least over the course of the past month, which I agree with. Like, my projections have him at running back number 21, but I intentionally made those conservative. One of the great things you're going to be able to do with this new site is fuck around with it and say, you know what, I have Najee Harris as a 54% market share of rushes on this team. Even I think that's too low. I think that he is going to be the guy in this backfield. That's how we've seen Mike Tomlin operate as head coach when he has a workhorse. When James Conner was right last season, it was still all James Conner. He just wasn't right all that often. So let's change that and put Najee Harris at 70% of the market share of rushing attempts this season. 
And then we'll drop down Benny Snell to like 5%. We'll drop down Anthony McFarlane to 5%. We'll drop down Kalen Balage to 5%. And we'll be on our way when it comes down to it. And we'll see what this looks like all of a sudden now. All of a sudden, Najee Harris, and that's not even with an uptick in his receiving game at all. That's basically keeping him around an 8% market share of the catches, where if he's the running back who's on the field most of the time, that's probably going to be around 12%. Let's put him in at 12%. And then we'll increase his market share of touchdowns on the ground to up around 70% too, to coincide with what I have him now up to in the market share. And all of a sudden, he's running back number six. So if you think that he is the starter and he is the overall starter, he's a must-have fantasy running back. A must-have. Yeah, yeah, I'm in, man. I I am absolutely in. Because not only is the skill set there for him and the touches, and you mentioned Connor. In 11 games where Connor played at least 50% of the offensive snaps, he averaged 16 touches per game. Harris is going to play 50% of the snaps, at least like there's no question. And what we've seen from not just Connor and Lev Bell or D'Angelo Williams, like how many times we've had this conversation about him. He was a top five running back inside of Pittsburgh Steelers offense when he was given the opportunity. Harris has all the skills, all the skill set. I mean, again, with the offensive line, they at least address it a little bit here. They drafted Kendrick, uh, Kendrick green. You got to remember that they had some injuries. Zach, Banner missed the entire season or most of it last year. So you get him back at right tackle. Um, they draft, draft Pat Firemute. It's like a baby Gronk who can help out on the offensive line. Like it's not going to be that brutal. And if Big Ben can't push the ball down the field with some of these targets, and maybe it is just going to be a lot of what we've seen before in the past with Bell getting 100 targets. Like I don't want to put Harris in that conversation, like 100 targets, but I would be shocked if he doesn't catch 45 balls. I think he can catch 50. Like he has that sort of skill set. He's great in open space. Uh, he's very elusive. Yeah, and he's the min pick for him. You mentioned NFFC drafts. The min pick for him is RB3. So there are people at this point in drafts in June, mid-June here, are willing to take him with the third overall pick. I would assume that would be after CMC and Cook and just taking him right there at three. Uh, yeah, I don't know really what else to say about him. I am absolutely in. I think I could make the case for taking him over an Eckler or a Cam Akers. Uh, you know um, what? I, I think you can make that case. I don't think that would be wise. I would have both Eckler and Cam Akers over him still. I do have them over him. I have him right at 11 after Chubb. Um, see, I can see the case what, of what do you make over him and, when you're there with him, Jones and Mixon and Chubb? What what would you do with those four? Do we know that Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback of Green Bay? Yeah, we have to assume that Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. So yeah. I would probably I mean, that's, that's I'd, what <laughs> I'd probably take Jones. No, it'd be Chubb or Harris. Yeah. I feel like if I was going to cling to upside that I would take Harris, but there's maybe I'm just wrong about this. Uh, and I just think the Chubb is safer when you get to that pick. You just don't want your first. We went and maybe the hesitancy in like your regular season long fantasy football drafts is because people got so enamored with Clyde Edwards Alaire last season and he just, he didn't work out. And now he's going probably where he should have gone last year. And now he's actually kind of a bit of a value if he improves a little bit. That I think that people don't want to make that same mistake with Harris. And one of the big factors with these projections of why it had him so low to begin with, and now I've manually bumped him up to a lot of things, but one of the big things that we I had it as a baseline was that they're going to have a 44% rushing rate this season. Well, let's say their defense is good and Ben is taking a step back and they just have to run a lot more to keep these games close, milk some clock. Let's just crank that up to a 49% 
rushing rate, which is too high. Let's call it 48% because that would probably be the peak of it. Now, all of a sudden, like you're, like I said, he's around like Zeke in terms of where he's going. Obviously, the receiving game might not be there. We don't know how he's going to be. There's just so many unknowns that if you can sell yourself that he is going to be the focal point running back in this offense and play 75% of the snaps or more, then I think you got to go get him. Yeah, I think you do too. Yeah, you just have your mindset that there's not a lot of uh, true bell cow backs here in the NFL that could catch 50 balls. And, you know, this time next year, we may be talking about him just being a top three pick if he's a guy who, you know, rushes for over a thousand yards and, and catches 50 balls and ends up with double digit touchdowns. Like that's kind of what I project for him and for where he's going. He's, I feel like he's just upside to be top five. And I don't think that's too much. Like, I don't think we're setting expectations too high. I think your projections are fair, but I, th- I think, you know, again, a true bell cow back is going to touch the ball 300 times, 300 times in, in this offense, which even if Ben is just average is going to be a good offense. Yeah. Is, they're going to score some points. I, the defense to your point is still going to be good. Like they're still, yeah. I mean, still got Watt who can get after the quarterback. They got players in the secondary, so they may run the run the rock. Like he could be a guy that carries that can, averages, I don't know, 25 touches a game. That would be top five for sure. And like, I just, I don't see a huge distinction between Jonathan Taylor and him in terms of what we're actually projecting out because Mac is going to be back. Heinz is going to be involved. Mm -hmm. It's a new quarterback. I listen, I think that Jonathan Taylor is most definitely safer, but I could see where Harris outscores him. Yeah, for sure. I could see that. Absolutely. I could, I think he probably finishes with more touches than Taylor. Yeah. Right. Uh, wide receiver balls out of the backfield than Taylor. That's for sure. Maybe we'll see about that. It just depends on how they use him. But even Connor, it was almost like that Chubb thing that you mentioned. Like, can he just get three or four a game? Like three or four targets a game, catch two or three of them, and just kind of be on your way. Because then you're at fifty catches all of a sudden, and that's a real difference maker. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to be on the field for that to work out. And if he is on the field a ton, that's what's going to happen. The wide receivers: Johnson, Claypool. Juju, that's the way that I would rank them. And honestly, Deontay Johnson's the only one I feel good about. He's the one I would want to go get. Yeah, I agree with you there. He's top five in targets and he was productive and and he just there was obviously drops. He had 15 of them. And there were games where he left, but in games where he played, I know you know this, man, doing breaking it down on DraftKings every week was he was undervalued, man. There were a lot of moments where he was a sub 4K wide receiver, 4546 for a guy who just certainly seemed like Ben's favorite target. And he was a guy that was, you know, on average over the first few games of the season, you'd, you'd take out the injuries. He was a guy that was getting well over 12 targets per game. You hope he cleans up the drops uh, a little bit, but he's the guy with the ceiling. He's the one with the upside. If I had to choose between Claypool and Juju, it would be Claypool. I mentioned in a full point setting PPR, maybe Juju has some more appeal to you. I just wasn't impressed with Juju overall. And he's really betting on himself this year to take that one-year deal and reportedly turning down an offer from the Kansas city chiefs was just crazy to even think about. Um, but he's just, it's just the way they use him. Maybe if he goes on another team, he's used differently, but it just seemed like short yardage throws with Juju. And that was the question I had about him in year one without Antonio Brown. Can he be an outside guy and handle top coverage? And it didn't seem like he could, it seemed like, you know, in year one there, when he broke out as a rook, it was a lot of Antonio Brown getting the top coverage and some soft matchups for Juju, but Claypool is the deep threat. He's the guy with the higher a dot. He's got the higher ceiling, higher upside. I, I don't mind having any shares of Claypool, but I, if I'm choosing between the three, I'm with you. I think it's, I think it's Johnson 
Hey, just stay healthy and, and clean up the drops. Yeah, just clean up the drops. Stay get get yourself through every single game. I think actually he's probably going probably right around where he should at wide receiver number nineteen. But the other two are going at twenty eight and twenty nine. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that's feasible. No, because because it's Big Ben. If it was if it was Big Ben in his prime, I think it's fine. Yeah, I think sure. He could do enough for all of them. But it's it's Big Ben who is absolutely declined, and we don't even know if he could finish the season. And holy crap, we haven't even talked about if he doesn't play games this year and what that offense will look like. Well, let me now we're talking about Harris getting thirty touches a game. <laughs> Does this sound like a reasonable stat line for? And maybe this is too low for passing attempts, and maybe I should bump this up a bit. I can see what that looks like at that point. But the median projection for Ben Roethlisberger has him at 182 completions on 190, sorry, 500, 382 completions on 590 pass attempts, 4,000 yards, 25 touchdowns. Does that seem too low to you? Yeah, I do. I think that's too low. Last year, 608, 3,800 yards and 33 touchdowns. He's always been a guy that's lived in that 600 range, and now we're going to get another game. Now we're going to get another game this season. Again, you have to, you do. I think more so with Ben than, than anybody else. Like football injuries are very hard to predict. We're not in the business of doing that, but I think we have to at least have that in the back of the head that he could miss a couple games, but still we get the full another game here on the schedule and just looking at him over the years, I mean, 608, 469 in 12 games, he would have did it. 509 and 14, 561 and 15, 675 in 2018 when he played 16. And then last year, 608 in 15, he probably would have been around the 640 range. This is a guy on average who checks the ball over 40 times a game. He just does. So I think that's a, I think projections, I always like, I'm with you. I like to shoot a little, little lower, just be conservative with them. But I think 600 passing attempts and 4,000 yards and 30 plus touchdowns. I think that's his floor. All right. So let's do this. Let's bump him up. And let's call the Steelers at having 1,200 plays this year. And with a pass rate of 56%. And see what that does to his numbers. I think that that's reasonable, I think. So over yep. 17 games. Go. Oh, no, wait. That would, not, uh, that would not make sense as I just... Instead of putting in uh, 1,200 plays, I put in 12,000 plays. That made him quarterback <laughs> number one. So I don't think he's going to have 1,300 rushing yards this year. Uh, no. So even if I go down to the stat line and I bump them up, that would give him 426 completions on 660 pass attempts, which sounds more okay. in line with what you're talking about. That still mm-hmm. keeps him at 4,489 yards and 26 touchdowns. In fantasy, that would only make him quarterback number 24. <laughs> wow. And that seems like <laughs> about as much as I want to reach. Like that's a 90th yes. percentile outcome for him. So I just yeah. don't see how they can sustain three. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about tight ends very quickly. It's Eric Ebron, your boy, Pat Firemouth, or whatever the fuck his name yeah. is. Like, don't draft these guys. <laughs> no, 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 no. I agree. Don't draft them. No, neither of them. Ebron had an okay season. Uh, he, he suffered, you know, from some drops towards the end, but yeah, I mean, neither of these guys are, they're not on my radar at all. No question. I don't think maybe DFS, you'll play Ebron here and there, but why would you? Um, yeah, if he's the, if he's, if he's the min on DraftKings, yeah. listen, he has a good matchup. You want to roll the dice, go for it. But in season long, just yeah. stay far, far away. A team you should yeah. be targeting is probably the Cincinnati Bengals for fantasy. There's fantasy goodness to go around here. Uh, I have their passing rate at 61%, which I don't think is... Mm all that crazy uh burrow projects out to be quarterback number 11 uh i don't know if they're gonna be any good but frankly for fantasy purposes them not being good is probably a good thing (laughs) yeah oh for sure man we we love this in fantasy 
and they're they've made improvements over the past couple of years with their roster defensively and a little bit here and there through the offensive line. But yeah, this is still going to be a bad football team. That's going to give up a lot of points. And, and Burrow was on his way to leading the league in, in passing attempts. I mean, passing attempts per game. This is a guy that was just absolutely chucking. He looked legit. He looked like he had top 10 upside at the quarterback position. I think I have him at QB 12, QB 13. I'll have some shares. I'm not overly concerned about the injury and He's got weapons. He's got tons of weapons. That he does. And, and, yeah, so, that he does, man. The, the Bengals are... It's going to be fun offense. For sure. Win total six and a half, plus four, 75 to make the playoffs. 20 to one to win the division, 50 to one to win the conference, 100 to one to win the Super Bowl. I don't really have any specific leans on that as of right now in the betting market. But in terms of Burrow, what you're seeing is where you have him ranked is where he's going. Uh, it's where projections have him at. I guess the big thing with him when we think about it is, do you think he's going to run at all? I don't think he will early on, but I think it's going to be, I I think it's just so tough in his nature to run. Right. I mean, same thing with Carson Wentz. He didn't run a ton, but even after that injury, he still had it in him to run. Like he, he lost a step, but, and he's not the fastest guy. And even this year or last year, he ran a bit. I still think it's going to be in his nature. Like Zach Taylor can tell him all he wants. Like, listen, don't run. We want you to be, we want to, you know, you're our ticket here. We're like, let's be smart about the runs that you make. But so early on, it could be, it could be that he doesn't run, but I just think like with his instincts and what he can do. And if he's, if his knees feeling fine and, you know, teams are giving him the, giving him the 10 yards. I mean, he, I think he's going to take it because like the, this, the opposing secondaries are going to have their hands full with these three wide receivers, like even Tyler Boyd, man, like everyone just takes shots on him, but it's a guy who had back-to-back 1000 yard seasons in the slot. And it seemed like Burrow liked him quite a bit. Uh, it was a lot of T Higgins, but Burrow's still threw Tyler Boyd's way quite a bit. I think he's going to run a bit. What did he have last year for rushing yards? He had 37 attempts, 142. He only played 10 games. I, I you know, if he plays 16 games, you know, 220, 250 rushing yards. Yeah, I, I, a lot. Over 17 games, I had him at 191, but I didn't expect yeah. Herbert to rush as much as he did. No one expected Josh Allen. And maybe coming off the knee injury, it's not reasonable to expect him to rush more. But if all of a sudden mm-hmm. he's not at 200, he's at like 450 or 400, and he is mm-hmm. someone that runs just a little bit more, like I already haven't projected his quarterback number 11. If he starts running, all of a sudden the ceiling is just so much higher. He's in that like Russell Wilson tag category in terms of where the quarterbacks would end up falling. But like, I I prefer Jalen hurts uh, in this range at quarterback. And listen, if it's wrong, it's wrong, whatever it's, it's the 10th round who cares Uh, you're shooting for a quarterback that could be number one overall. And with his rushing upside, if he just figures out how to pass a little bit, then all we're all good. But it's funny looking at the, we'll get to Mixon in a second. I want to talk about the wide receivers. I think that's more interesting here with the way that the, Pittsburgh Steelers offense is being drafted where you have Deontay Johnson at number 19 and the other two guys at 28 and 29. It's funny when I bumped up all of those Pittsburgh numbers to run all those plays per game to up their passing rate to see what the ceiling would look like. That's my median projection for what the Bengals are going to do. So I actually, when you look at it by team, uh, I have Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd and T Higgins all as top 30 receivers. I think that's fair. I agree with you. I think they're all top 32 because of what, what Burrow's going to do. 
and how accurate and how great of a quarterback he is. I mean, just look at, again, the back of the game, 36 attempts, 61 in week two, 44, 36, 30, 39, 47, 37, 40, 34. It's going to be an offense. We've, we've talked about Lamar and we've talked about Baker. It's a complete opposite, right? This is, they're going to run the, they're going to throw the football and throw it a lot. And I think that he's good enough and the passing attempts are going to be there that all three of these wide receivers could be, they may not be ones and twos, but they could be threes. And I think Chase does have the the higher ceiling. We haven't even seen him touch the NFL field yet. I think he's going to be the first read for Joe Burrow, just what they did at LSU is like a historic season that they had, even with weapons like Justin Jefferson and Terrace Marshall still on that squad. Um, and then Clyde edwards out of the backfield. So it was just like a, an historic offense, but he's going to throw it enough, Pat, that a lot, a lot of these guys could end up with, Let's just project it. If he has 40, just say he has 40 passing attempts a game. You could, you'd have each wide receiver with 10 random tight end, a couple mix in out of the backfield, a couple, right? I think, I think we're being conservative. Like all three of those wide receivers could average double digit targets per game. They could. And like I, right now, when I kind of put the inputs for target share, so that has him around 640 pass attempts, like 637 or something like that. So I have Jamar Chase at a 21% market share, Boyden Higgins at a 19% market share, Mike Thomas and Auden Tate 10% combined between them. And then I have Drew Sample and Uzma with 15% between them. And that might just be too generous. Like that might be lowballing mm-hmm. these three receivers. Now, it, we do run into a circumstance where maybe it's not sustainable every single week. But you're banking on the defense being bad and they have to throw all this time if they're going to keep up. So who do you think is the best receiver of this bunch? Because the way that they're being drafted is two separate tails, depending on where you're drafting. If you're drafting in a season long context right now, it's going T Higgins. Let's see T Higgins, number 25, 63 overall. Tyler Boyd, 31, 76 overall. Jamar Chase, 33rd, 87th overall, which is still well below where I have them for projections. Now, if you go to the high stakes over the last month, Jamar Chase has vaulted up the board. He's oh yeah, he's wide receiver 21 going at pick. Where is he at here? Going at pick 55. Yeah, 55 on average. That's ahead of Adam Thielen. Seems like a lot. Yeah. Um, it is a lot. Yeah. So people are kind of buying. I mean, there's still upside to be had there. He's going as high as number 29 in some drafts. But then you look down the board a little bit and you have T Higgins going at wide receiver number 27. I think that's a very fair spot for him. Pick number 64 overall. But then you go down to Tower Boyd, number 36, pick number 90 overall. That might be the pick. Like I like all three of them. I think they're all still reasonable values at their draft position. That just seems really low for Tyler Boyd, considering he's going to be on the field every play. Exactly. Yeah. He's in the slot, man. He's not getting the top corners. He's not. I mean, there's some good slot corners in the NFL, but he's not getting them. And those are the easy completions for, for Joe Burrow. Not that he needs them, but he's not coming off the field to your point. And he had the back-to-back 1000 yard seasons last year, still, uh, you know, 841 yards, and playing with losers at the quarterback position in the second half of the season. There's no way around it. Like that's, he wasn't getting great throws his way. And he, I thought he was still a viable fantasy option as like a wide receiver three that you had him. Um, you know, when it was burrow, he was like, wow, you have upside here to be a two, but there's no burrow and he's still being, you know, 
a little bit productive as maybe a flex, but yeah, just give me the cheaper one, right? It's Chase who's riding up draft boards. Like to your point, when you were talking about it earlier, if he's the guy who's going later, that's fine. I think he does have the highest ceiling. He's the guy that I want overall, like in a vacuum here, but we're talking about where these guys are going and it's only, Again, you know it. I've said it before with Bateman. Once you start seeing these two on the field and playing catch, and it's like, holy crap, I got to get this guy in top 15. It's like, no, that's you're just you're asking now for a perfect season from this guy, and he's still a rookie overall. Like, I don't think he's going to have a Justin Jefferson type season in year one. I think he's a really good wide receiver, but there's still two other very capable wideouts on this team. So just give me the cheaper one and Boyd who I project to have another hundred targets this season. And if he gets a hundred targets, I mean, he's such a solid route runner and great hands that he's going to catch 75 to 80 balls. He might not have the touchdowns. Like I don't think him, he's going to have the same amount of touchdowns as Jason T Higgins, maybe only five or six, but in a full point PPR league, this is a guy that's going to rack up five to seven catches per game for you. Yeah. I think that he is very clearly the third best fantasy receiver on this team, but I think that they're also mm-hmm. close that if we just played the season, like simulated a hundred times that you know, 15% of the time that he is the best receiver fantasy wise on this team, which leads me to believe that if they're going to be close anyway, despite him being number three, I would just take the value. Are we suffering from Joe Mixon fatigue? Cause people are looking for every reason not to draft him now. Yeah, they are. And it's, I'm starting to, make more of a case to draft him because of, of all the nonsense, you know, last season, I know it was only six weeks for him, but he was second in the NFL in, in carries. He had 20 per game. He was ninth in routes run. Uh, and there's no Giovanni Bernard there. He was well, 15. Well, ho- hold in, on. Well, I saw a we'll report talk. from the Cincinnati yeah, Enquirer to talk about captain America, Chris Evans, having the greatest of all up. hands. I saw, I saw Adam tweet about him. And then I'm seeing, I'm seeing it now on social media, everybody talking about, how do you feel about Joe Mixon now? Like, oh, no Geo, this is a Geo replacement. It's like, I just like, let's settle down here a little bit and, and talk about touches and carries and how productive or valuable that they are, right? He can be, he was still with Geo there. He was still ninth in targets and 15th or ninth in routes ran and 15th in targets, but he was fourth in touches per game when he went down with the injury, 23 touches per game. That's very, very valuable. Now there were a few games. If you look at the back of the football game log there, there were some games where he was just not productive at all. He had one very monster game against a brutal Jacksonville team, but at the same time, he was still getting those touches. He would get the goal line opportunities and I'm fine with where he's going. I thought I would be out on Joe Mixon, but it does seem like a lot of people are are out on him. So if he's going to go from like RB, if he can fall to RB 15 or 16, you got your guy, you got yourself another running back in that range from 12 to 15 or 12 to 17. There's not a lot of running backs that are going to touch the ball 300 times. If he puts together a full season, he can touch the ball 300 times and he's not far removed from leading the AFC in rushing yards too. I think he's, I think he's getting slightly undervalued just because of, of some of the hate. And I don't think it's completely fair. He's going in the same range as Josh Jacobs, Antonio Gibson, JK Dobbins, Miles Sanders, uh, Deandre Swift, that type of player. And then in the higher stakes leagues, he is going at running back number 14. That's sandwiched in between Antonio Gibson and Clyde Edwards, Alaire, Deandre Swift, Miles Sanders, JK Dobbins, David Montgomery. He might actually be closer to that Montgomery Carson tier. Like with a bit higher upside, obviously, if he can get himself involved in the receiving game. But it's just sort of these like eh running backs who you know that are going to get carries. That's essentially what he's become. But you know, maybe Joe Burrow year two, healthy Mixon. 
I, I don't know if I want to pull the trigger, but there becomes a point where he starts slipping into the middle of the third round or something like that. And I'm sitting there looking at the middle of the third round and being like, well, if that's the case, he would be a perfect, like, I mean, obviously zero RB wouldn't recommend you taking a running back in the third round. But if you just didn't, mm-hmm. if you wanted to punt away running backs, if you didn't get one of the first four picks or something, you were like at the, the pick number nine or pick number eight, and you wanted to take Kelsey or Adams or Tyreek Hill, whoever it might be. And then the better value in the second round was a tight end or a wide receiver, whoever it might be. And you didn't have a running back. I feel like that's the time that you would then gamble on Joe Mixon having a top 10 season and like the early third round, middle of the third round. But I think that's where he should be going. And it's starting to creep down to that point too, where, where you talked about Jamar Chase, where people are buying up his upside and having him go too early. It's sort of the opposite with Mixon, where you know people are drafting him at his average, where if he outperforms what he's supposed to do, he's going to be a really good value at some point. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, min pick nine, like high stakes min pick nine, that's not for me. But if he's going to fall into the later parts of the second or early third, and yeah, maybe you take a wide receiver in, you know, in the second, or maybe Kelsey, maybe you start Kelsey and, you know, then you take a running back in the second round and Mixon's there. I think that's a huge win. If, if you get a, an RB two, that's going to touch the ball 23 times again, I will just say this about opportunity just to hammer home this point one more time. I got it here. Touches per game last year, Delvin cook, 25.4, Christian McCaffrey, 25.3, Derek Henry, 24.8 mix and fourth 23.3. There is value in that. Even if Joe Burrow is going to chuck the ball 45 times a game, there is value on a running back still <laughs> touching the ball 23 times in an offense. that's going to score points. They really are going to score points. They're going to hang around with teams. They hung around with teams last year. Uh, and with Joe Burrow's first season there. So another year here with Zach Taylor, another weapon for Burrow. Maybe the offense runs a little bit more. And yeah, I mean, Evans, we can get excited about him and, and reports that he can catch the ball to the backfield and he could take Geo's spot, all that nonsense. But Mixon is still a guy, and we know that he can, he can be a guy that catches the ball for you four times a game, three or four times a game. That's why he's been one of the leaders over the past few years in touches per game. And that's with Gio on the field a little bit here and there taking some of those third down reps. So it may take some time for Evans to, to take that role away from Mixon. I think he's the last running back in that range. I don't view Gibson as a guy who's going to touch the ball 300 times. They may want to get him involved in the passing attack, but McKissick is there. I don't view DeAndre Swift as a guy who can get 300 touches. I, I just don't see it. Uh, Clyde Edwards, I, Maybe it's a guy that I think potentially, but is an offense that wants to pass more than they want to run. Uh, Dobbins don't see it. Miles Sanders don't see it. Montgomery. I think that's a fair point by you. Jacobs don't see it. He's not going to catch balls out of the backfield. Carson. I could see it. Maybe he can get to that 300 touch, but out of all those running backs, there's not a lot Pat that can touch the ball 300 times in an offense. that's going to score points. So the way that I would look at it, the way that you end up with Mixon, I think just based on where the ADPs are right now, you have pick eight in a 12 team league. You take Kelsey, with the number with your first pick, you take Devonte Adams with your second pick, or Stefan Diggs, Baby. whatever ones that you like. That's a really nice start, and then you pick mm. up Mixon with the fourth pick of the third round because I think that's where he's going to end up dropping to by the time. I don't hate that start. I don't love that start, but the decision you would have to make is if you go Kelsey and then Adams with your next pick, are you going to take Mixon or are you going to take? A.J. Brown or Jefferson, like one of those other high-end receivers and just completely load up. That might actually be, now that I'm thinking about it, I might actually pass on Mixon for another top five wideout. Probably not A.J. Brown, probably Justin Jefferson. 
or Calvin Ridley, if I could get Ridley in that spot. That might be a bit too late. But, like, Metcalf is going around that range. Keenan Allen. Now I don't know what I would do there. But Mixon's, like, in that, <laughs> like, that's the sort of where you go with it. Like, if you didn't have a running back and you wanted to get a workhorse, it might not be the greatest idea. But, again, if he can just outperform himself, and he has to get himself involved in the receiving game. He needs to have that three, four catches a game. He does, yeah. And even looking at it, I mean, 30 as a rook, 43 in 2018, 35 in 2019. He had 21 grabs last year in six games. It started off very slow for him, but four catches on four targets week two, six catches on six targets week four, six catches on eight targets week five. So it's like Gio Bernard, Giovanni Bernard or Chris Harris or not, or Evans or not, it doesn't matter, I don't think. I think they view him as a guy who can catch 40 balls for them. And that's why he's, I haven't projected for a 300 touch guy. I was trying to think this out too. And I don't, I don't think I would feel great for him to be my RB one, even though you're saying like, wow, Kelsey and Evans and Mixon, I think that is actually a pretty decent start. It's not bad. Uh, but I think if you're just a truther, like a RB RB, if that's the way that you go about um, things, I think it's possible that you could find yourself with like, if you drive, if you picked early and you were just say, Maybe you got a Henry or you got a Zeke or a Barkley. Maybe you're in that five to six range. Maybe by the time it comes back to you and Mixon is, is just staring at you and, and all those other sophomore backs. I don't think that's a bad strategy or a bad start to have two <laughs> true bell cow backs and mixing being one of those guys for you because there's so much value and there's wide receivers just as deep as it's always been. Um, there's going to be guys in the fourth or fifth round, just like there were last year with DK Metcalf and Keenan Allen and Diggs. Um, that have that upside to be solid wide receiver twos, at least for you. So I don't hate the RBRB start if Mixon is your two. I feel a little uneasy if he's your one. Drew Sample, CJ Secret of the Uzma. Any of those guys or just no? <laughs> I, I thought Uzma was, I thought he was okay at times. I, I was writing him up a little bit. I got to bring up some of his numbers. I think, you know. He, he's a he's a DraftKings min play. He's not someone for your season yeah. team. Yeah, that's it. I mean, we're we're talking maybe you know people, random people who play the two tight end leagues. Yeah, screw screw those guys. I mean, we're not we're not doing. This. I'm you in one play, of those. You leagues. want to play in a oh stupid league like that? You you don't get shows for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's uh, it's with Howard Bender, our old boy Howard Bender, the the serious July Fourth Invitational Independence, and they play with two tight ends. And I remember drafting Uzma late and just thinking, ah, you know, maybe. Maybe uh, maybe he could be something. And he was at times. I thought he was okay. But what we're talking here for standard, you know, 14, 12-team leagues, this guy's not getting drafted. He's just a, a DFS play. That's it. But the first two games of the season, not bad. Four catches in each of them, 40-plus yards in each of them as well. I mean, that's nine, nine seven targets. Again, you got to think about the volume that – that he's going to have, but also at the same time, we're now adding chase to this yeah, offense. I think that's the big thing. You add in just a better option to throw to. I'm guessing Joe Burrow, former number one pick, going to take the better option. <laughs> His former teammate, too, yes. to be able to do that. All right, Chris Meany, where can everyone find your work over at FTNDaily.com? What are you working on? Yeah, working on um, just a ton of stuff, just still plugging away on Mean Streets. It's a free show at, uh, on our YouTube page, FTN, doing three times a week, just starting um, doing some of the same things you are with some NFL previews, team previews, talking a lot of high stakes here over the past couple of weeks. So free show, plugging away over at FTNDaily.com. Just uh, a couple weeks here left in the NHL season, but still doing some baseball stuff over at FTNDaily.com. But yeah, it's, it's really, this is weird because I'm usually fully in football mode right now, Pat, but... Hockey was delayed. NBA was delayed. So uh, doing more NBA and NHL stuff here in June than I would normally be doing. But yeah, I mean, at Chris Meaney and 
just plugging away over at FTN, man. All right. You're going to be seeing Chris Meany a lot on the Pat Mayo experience in the coming months. And until the NHL playoffs are over, check out NHL Picks Fantasy Hockey Picks and Bets up on Mayo Media Network. If you want to get it on your DK showdown, play your prize picks. There are just many ways to win money on hockey, and Meany is one of the best out there. Again, FTNDaily.com. Code Meany if you want to go sign up for all of his information and picks. I'm Pat Mayo. You can follow me at the PME on Twitter. Like I told you, I got some big announcements coming very soon. If you want to check out the other division preview shows, look at the description of this video or just sub to Mayo Media Network. That way you won't miss them. Okay? I'm Pat Mayo. Thanks for watching. I'll see you next time. Pat Mayo experience. Experience.